Hello and welcome out there to the next part in our limited podcast series on planning for a successful customer service strategy in 2020. I'm your host, Michael Kramer, and I'm the head of marketing at AgriSync. For those of you who might be unfamiliar with AgriSync, we provide a software platform that helps simplify communication for modern agriculture through voice, text, and video. To learn more about AgriSync, visit us at agrisync.com. That's A-G-R-I-S-Y-N-C.com. Or to see a short three-minute demo, check out agrisync.com slash demo. Of course, we want to give a quick shout out and thank you to our friends at Precision Farming Dealer, who this podcast is presented in conjunction with. Today's guest is the founder of AgriSync, Casey Neiman. In case you're wondering, yeah, that's right. AgriSync is the same aforementioned ag tech company that is bringing you this podcast. But don't worry, this podcast isn't a promotion about AgriSync. It's just an interview with Casey as he helps us look at how technology is playing an ever-increasing and critical role in creating the customer experience. From smartphones to computers to software in between, there are more tools and gadgets than ever before, but not all technology is created alike. Today, Casey shares with us his insights on the role that technology is playing in delivering customer service and helping create a lasting customer experience. Today is a very special day because the man sitting next to me keeps me gainfully employed and puts food on our table. Of course, I am speaking about Casey Neiman, the founder and the president of AgriSync. Casey, welcome. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. So as all throughout these, we've been really focusing on how uh, advisors can really step up their customer service game. That's what this whole podcast series has been about. And of course, it's put on by AgriSync. So there might be a couple shameless plugs as we go through this. But today, we're really not going to focus so much on just AgriSync as what it does, but more about Casey's role and how you got started in this world of ag tech how it plays a role in customer service, and how dealers and ag advisors as a whole can really leverage technology in their customer service. So before we get to that, let's start from the beginning. Tell us about young Casey, how he got to be current Casey. (laughs) All right. Well, I grew up on a farm in Kansas and actually spent quite a bit of time as a young person with my dad and my uncles, kind of learning the basics of uh, corn, soybean. Uh, We had some cattle as well. So traditional farm kid uh, was pretty active in FFA and some other things. And after getting my degree from Kansas State, worked for what is now Syngenta. At the time, I was a uh, crop protection rep for Siba Geigy, if that dates me. Some of you might still have the hats and shirts from the old days. But my first job out of school, I was a crop protection agronomist for Siba Geigy in western Kansas and then went to do that in Nebraska. And loved doing that and learned a ton about just the basics of agronomy, customer service, working in field, mm-hmm. uh, ag. And, you know, I think that that taught me a lot about just the way that how important customer service and the relationship that producers have with their trusted advisors. And so that was uh, really formidable. I did have kind of a detour in my career that turned out to be a, a really good detour, if you will. I bumped into a fellow farm kid from Nebraska, who happened to work at a company called Microsoft. And they were in the process of kind of building out their field offices. And I didn't know a whole lot about software at the time, but I did know a little bit about sales and support. And so went to work for Microsoft and was actually there for about 15 years and worked in their field offices in the Midwest and had an opportunity to uh, you know develop teams. And then also was fortunate to be kind of on the early adoption curve on what we now know as the cloud. And so 
I spent a few years at Microsoft in the early days of the cloud. And one of the things that, you know, being in the Midwest and being kind of a, an expert on the cloud services, a lot of my engagement was with larger companies. And those companies were looking at the cloud and saying, gosh, we can do a lot of cool things around recommendation engines and agronomics and telematics and things that today, you know, are basically a, a big part of our ag ecosystem. And so, you know, during the day, I would be working with these big agribusinesses who were, again, doing lots of cool things with cloud services. But when I spoke to my dad and my uncles about kind of day to day, how is this all impacting you on the farm? Mm -hmm. You know, they said our biggest issue is not that we don't have enough technology coming at us. Mm -hmm. Our issue is on the people side. You know, and in particular, I recall a conversation on the back deck with my dad in Kansas and my uncles, and they had just lost a really good precision ag advisor. And, you know, this is one of these really bright young people who had kind of, you know, introduced some of the early fundamentals to them around technology. And he had taken a new job and they said, gosh, now we've got all this technology, but how do we implement it? How do we execute <laughs> right, on it? Because right. our go-to guy had just left. And, and so, you know, I started talking with people in the industry about the role of support and service. And what I found was the more technology we had, the higher the cost of service. And also sometimes the higher the frustration of the farmer, right? Mm -hmm. They'd made this investments and in new equipment, new technology. And all of a sudden the technology was becoming such an integrated part of their environment that there was no real option to go back to manual. Meaning sure. if, if the technology wasn't working, I was likely sitting at the corner of my field, frustrated and, you know, maybe saying expletives to my monitor or my, <laughs> you know, in cab system. And, and so, you know, the promise of all the precision ag technology is, is a great thing. And I think for the most part, you know, has been well executed on. But this fundamental communication between a customer, a farmer, and their trusted advisor was so critical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problem is the same day that my dad or my uncle needed that precision ag advisor was the same day everybody else did. And so that's really where, you know, I started thinking about kind of the genesis for AgriSync was to say, how can we take this customer who's in need, who yep. says, I need help and I need it now. And how can we connect them with a known set of trusted advisors? And uh, that was really the genesis for, for creating AgriSync. Because, and I think that's a great, obviously a great place to start because you, you look at it from, you mentioned two things, right? That I think are, are key. First off, this is a very relationship driven business. From previous podcasts that we had with regards to this, um, these relationships can go decades. And so you want to keep them on the positive because that can last a long time. And the negative too, but as territories, it seems, get bigger, right? And uh, maybe I think companies are trying to leverage technology a little bit more. It almost can break up that relationship a little bit, right? And I think that that is something that I, I know that we have seen from our clients. They, they've talked about it. They, they love, the advisors love that interaction. But it's becoming increasingly difficult for them to do it because they have big territories, more things to be looking after. And it's, it's really difficult for them to do that. So I think that's where you're saying Agrisync kind of fits in, right? In terms of that, that the impetus between behind what got you is to help bridge that gap, make it a little bit closer. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I heard a, a, a retailer once share with me, they said our goal, right? Obviously we, they were consolidating, you know, mm -hmm. their, what used to be a local branch was now a branch of many. They said, but how do we still serve locally? You know, how do we still serve yeah. in a way that's personable? Because 
we've got a lot riding on delivering great customer service to that farmer. It's not just the next customer in the queue. This is the the customer that I'm in the 4-H club with, that I go to church with, that I spend time with at school events. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we talk to advisors who are passionate about delivering awesome customer service, it's not just because it's part of their job. It's because it's who they are in the community. They want to be known as someone who's responsive and accountable and who does a good job. And I think, you know, our job is just maybe try to help equip them to do that better, faster, and, and, and to do so in a modern experience. But for the most part, I think it's important, especially if there's, you know, farmers that listen to this, your advisors are well-intended. Yeah. <laughs> they want to do the yeah. right thing. Yeah. They are working. They are it. shorthanded <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're dealing with lots of change. Yeah. And, you know, when I talk to advisors, even those that aren't using our tools, most of the time they still identify and see that, you know, this need to provide a better set of customer service is really critical uh, because they know if they don't service and support that customer mm-hmm. in a way that's meaningful, you know, likely the, the customer's not going to adopt whatever's net new sure. you know, because they weigh the first sort of measure on whether I do something as a farmer is how well are you going to support me? Sure. How well are you going to help me when, um, you know, it's a critical April 15th and I'm trying to plant corn and I've got this issue. And so the timeliness piece is such a big thing. And we've got a broad shortage of technicians. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you've done a couple of really good sessions with folks talking about the broader kind of labor crisis that we have yeah. in agriculture. That's right. Yeah. And it's a, it's a huge challenge. Yep. And it's not something that we can sort of wave a wand over and fix mm-hmm. overnight. You know, we're trying to encourage um, more technical and community colleges to say, Hey, coming into the agriculture field is a great place to come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that all of us have to look at this technician shortage that we're in and say, it's, it's a long-term problem. It's not something that's yep. going to be solved overnight. Yes. We hope technology can help ease that burden, mm-hmm. but we need to be advocating and sharing what great careers we have in agriculture. Yep. And that starts when, you know, we're talking to young students who might be in FFA or ag sciences and trying to get them into going into agriculture as a mm-hmm. career. I know for me, that was, really instrumental. And I think all of us that are in the ag field need to take an advocacy role and say, what are we doing to teach and share to the next generation about saying, hey, come into this industry because we need help. And I think especially now with, you know, lots of other job opportunities that are out there, it's competitive. You know, these young people are coming in and we're we're trying to advocate that, you know, they might get to work with their hands or do something that's (laughs) different than some of the other fields, but it's competitive and we've got to be out front. Well, I think you bring up a good point. It's a little bit of a shortage. And, you know, I mean, food stability across the world is the number one indicator towards getting us closer to world peace. It just, that is just a proven fact over time, right? And that starts here, especially we see a lot of it here in the U.S. because we have so much, we produce so much food and and technology plays such a role in that. I should probably have checked this fact, but I I didn't necessarily think about it, but I wanted to say that they said by 2050, 90% of the population will be in cities. That leaves 10% of the people spread out over very, I mean, a lot of land, right? So it's very sparse. And so, I mean, technology has to be a part of that, right? So let's, let's talk about that for a quick second, because you mentioned earlier when you were speaking to your, um, your, your uncle and your father, and, and even you haven't grown up on a farm. Let's talk about the farmer's role in adopting, because you mentioned we as an industry, right, as people, as advisors, people who uh, serve the producers, right, 
Um, we throw a lot of tech at them. Telematics. I mean, we just, just here's another monitor. Here's another app. Here's another. How are they adopting? How is how do you see that in the whole ecosphere? Right? How are how are they adopting? Are they worn out? Are they are they coming along faster than we thought? What's kind of your take on the adoption rate? Sure. No, it's a great question. And I think first and foremost, some people say, oh, you know, there's not that much technology adoption on the farm. And we often see, you know, some of these coastal experts say, well, I just don't think that there's much tech capacity on the farm. Yeah. You couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> That's right. I would right. suggest that the average farmer is more tech savvy than most careers and professions because we ask them to do something new in their job about every two weeks. <laughs> you know, you right. and I have pretty well-defined jobs, yep. you know, but if I'm a farmer, every two weeks, I'm kind of switching jobs into whatever is new. Sure. And so we're constantly putting, you know, new things in front of a, uh, a farmer and then asking them to become an expert on that for two to three weeks, maybe while they plant or while they spray or while they market their grain. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to keep switching. You know, you've got 12 jobs in the year and we're going to keep switching the interfaces, the technology each year, right? Yep. That's really hard. Sure. So when you think about what farmers actually adopt mm -hmm. and, you know, in my observation, a farmer who can drive recurring return on investment, not just a one-time anomaly event, sure. but recurring return on investment, they will be quick to adopt that. Mm -hmm. And if we think, you know, sort of in the precision ag terms, whether it be guidance or, you know, uh, advanced genetics and things like that, over time, the technologies that provide recurring ROI, yep. customers adopt. And was it relatively easy to do so? Sure. Or did they have this huge right. sort of upfront curve in order to start seeing value. You know, one of the challenges, if you think about all the data and agronomic companies out there, there's sort of this investment I've got to make in collecting all the data, analyzing all the data so that I can get better over time at it. And, and again, it's a good thing, but there's some upfront investment. Yeah. Um, and so I think most farmers would, would say, hey, if you can provide me recurring return on investment in a consistent way, I will absolutely adopt that technology. Yep. But I, I don't think the myth that, you know, farmers or advisors are not tech savvy, that's a myth. Yeah. They are the most tech savvy. They tend to adopt very well. And, you know, I see this with my uh, father-in-law as a good example. You know, he is uh, a great farmer, very savvy in what he does, but also skeptical, right? I mean, most farmers sure. can sniff out kind of the <laughs> snake oil in a hurry and say, uh, that's a short-term play. Yeah, right. And, you know, if you think about where their capital is tied up and mm -hmm. what their investments are in as far as land and the, these are long-term plays. You know, they are not into sort of short-term wins. So that's why I always tell, you know, fellow friends who are trying to solve problems, you know, number one, is it a problem? You know, we went through kind of a tech explosion in ag where we sometimes had a lot of technology just looking for a problem. Solution looking for the problem. And, yep. Yep. and I think that that's always hard to, to do. Now, yep. there are a lot of challenges yet to be solved in, yep. in ag. I think the key is to really, you know, spend a lot of time listening mm -hmm. to farmers and, and whatever their network is of advisors and making sure that what you're solving is meaningful mm -hmm. and provides that recurring ROI. Well, I think, okay, so that, that, that's a, uh, a segue into, you know, the next line of it, Casey, when you're talking about, because, 
you know, I think one of the advantages of being on a, a farmer, at least an individual, is you're, you're, it's smaller, it's more malleable, it's quicker, you can adopt that. Dealers, ag organizations, aren't always that small. So we're sitting here talking about getting the end user, i.e. the farmer or the producer, to really adopt. But to get into that dealership, I mean, some are huge, some are even the small ones, change is hard. Mm-hmm. and technology, I think you said skeptical is a great word, right? right. Uh, cynical might be almost <laughs> a better word uh, in terms of getting your organization, your organization being any one of an advisor, right? Our organization, right? Anytime something new comes in, there's always skepticism because I know we could be better, but I, I kind of got this down. I put enough Band-Aids right. on. As someone who, has, who, who plays um, in this market, what are some of the things that you've seen to help um, gain adoption on the advisor role, like within the organization? Well, I think you said it change is hard. Yeah. And if we think about organizations that maybe set their goals and say, Hey, we want to do these three things this year and mm-hmm. do them well. And Michael, you can appreciate this because we're big goal setters, you know, <laughs> at AgriSync. We like to know what we're focused on and yep. also know Confirmed. what we're not going yep. to do. Right. That's as important. Yep. And I think the first thing is as an organization say strategically, is it in our plan to do better in this area or to make change? Yep. And then to make sure that everybody knows in the organization that you've cascaded that out, that you've said, Hey, these are our big goals for the organization. And these are the champions. Mm-hmm. These are the people in my organization who I've asked to elicit change. I think sometimes where organizations fall down is they set the goal, but they don't necessarily assign the resources and the change agents. And it's super important. What we've seen is organizations who assign champions and say, hey, whatever the initiative is, it's your job to go drive it. And we have, as an organization, made the commitment we're going to make change in this place. And, you know, Change is hard because whenever you change, you're kind of moving somebody's cheese from one place to another. Right. And you've probably got the majority of the organization who likes the status quo. Yeah. And so the person who's out front sort of advocating for change is often wondering, am I going to die on this hill? You know, is this, is this where it ends for me? Because I'm advocating change. Right. And I think that what we find is it doesn't matter whether it be tools like ours or anything else people who are willing to um, initiate and own that change. And for us, we try to encourage people to say, hey, have you identified a champion? Uh, what does good look like yep. on the other end of it? And what's the consequence of doing nothing? <laughs> because a lot of times folks are like, well, I just don't want to change. I don't want to do anything different. But what's the consequence of that? Yeah, are right. you going to keep burning out your people? Are folks going to keep coming in the door and leaving? in our world in the ag service space, even if we get people hired in, right? It's super competitive to keep them. Are we giving them the the work-life balance that they want? Are we giving them some tools to do their job better? Or do they feel like I'm on this, you know, constant path to burnout? Yeah. And I think these are the consequences of doing nothing. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, when we, when companies take action, they take action because there is a pretty clear and significant consequence of doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Either I'm losing market share to a competitor or I'm losing people or, you know, a variety of things. And that's what causes change. Sure. So always ask yourself, Hey, if we do nothing, right. 
are there real consequences to that? And if there are, that's typically the impetus to say, hey, let's, let's identify the champions. Right. I, I think the other thing that I see is, especially with digital tools, let's give some of these younger people in our organization <laughs> right. a shot yeah. at owning it. Um, and how do we empower them to say, hey, we know you might be relatively young in your career, but we see some potential in you. And we've got this new sort of digital initiative or digital set of tools. We want you to own it. Yep. You know, here's a mentor who understands what we've been doing and can maybe share what the consequences are of us staying down that course. But especially some of these young people that are coming into our organizations, what are we doing to give them some latitude to go and drive change? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's probably, especially for your young, talented folks that you're trying to develop, they need to own something. They need to, you know, one of our core values at AgriSync is to always think and act like an owner. Yep. Sure. And part of that is trying to say, you know, let's give the sharp knives to the young people <laughs> in our organization right. and let them yeah. try to carve change. Right. Because if they don't, you know, we run the risk of potentially losing them or, uh, not harnessing the energy they have. As a shameless plug and friendly reminder, this is a limited series podcast focused on helping you plan for successful customer service strategy in 2020, presented in part by AgriSync and Precision Farming Deal. This is your host from AgriSync, Michael Kramer. To download our checklist on how to effectively adopt and incorporate technology into your dealership and listen to other podcasts, you can go to agrisync.com slash customer service. That's agrisync.com slash customer service. Harnessing that energy because they're energetic. And I know that um, Gen Z is now entering into the workforce, right? Like 23, 24-ish, right? Um, and uh, which is, they're the ones that after the millennials. And I know that sometimes millennials get a bad rep because it's easy to blame them for a lot of stuff, right? And it's, but call it what you will. It's a reality, Right. And they are gravitating more towards large cities. You have to be able to, if you're going to be out in a more rural area, I mean, here and even in Des Moines, a lot of people say, well, this is a small place. Well, if you're from a town like you or I come to Des Moines, this is big. This is, this is the city, right? But we, I think we have to be knowledgeable on how to adjust that and adhere to that within an organization. And I think what you just mentioned there, one of the values of this younger generation is the idea, the ability to own something make an impact. I came into a large organization, but I owned this, that autonomy, that responsibility you give to them. They'll trade that oftentimes in lieu of a race. They, they, they right. will. And we, and we spoke about it on a, on a previous podcast and that's, that's an important thing. And I think technology plays a big part in that, right? These guys grew up with the, the smartphone in their hand, right? Uh, so that, that is part, they see this as part of their personal, this is, it's an attachment, to who they are and the idea of taking that away or not allowing them to really dive in and own that against us people who think we're young, but apparently still aren't as savvy as they are. Right. <laughs> we, that's a missed opportunity. I Absolutely. Think. Yeah. And I think empowering them is going to, you know, not only help them maybe drive some things, but showing them how these technology tools align to the broader mission of your organization, because the technology tools are going to come and go, but the mission of your organization mm -hmm. If you're building kind of future leaders, you want those people to be aligned to it. And so I would just encourage to harness the energy of some of the younger folks coming in um, and 
maybe identify them as potential champions for change. You know, Casey, one of the things you mentioned when you're talking about, I like, I like what you were saying with, hey, well, you're going to adopt this technology internally. And you talked about the champions and owning it and empowering people to be able to, to make that. Let's talk about it from the farmer standpoint. Like, yeah, beyond accuracy, any sort of technology that you're going to be putting out there to these producers, right, who are bombarded, who have to shift and pivot a lot. Just give some of your thoughts in terms of the length of what you should expect because, you know, you can come in and you can't say, we're going to make a change, say it, walk away and ignore it and then expect them to do it. Um, and kind of the timing of it, I mean, like you said, April 15th is probably not the best time to hit up a farmer and say, I got something for you. We're going to change your world, right? I mean, <laughs> any, any things that you've seen from uh, the customers that, that we serve or just in the market that you've picked up over the time about the length that they should expect and some of the timing when you'd want to do it? You bet. Well, I think first and foremost, does your customer know how to get a great experience from you or is it happening by accident? Yeah. You know, so, cause sometimes we sort of take these chance meetings and assume that, you know, that one interaction was going to cause the customer to adopt my solution. And most of the time that's not the case. In fact, usually it takes seven to 10 kind of interactions before a customer can sort of start to buy into something that has changed. Mm -hmm. Understand the rhythm of their business, to your point, right? Yep. We deal with a seasonal audience here in agriculture, and there's a time to learn, there's a time to listen, there's a time to make changes, and then there's a time to be executing. And you know, we try to be super cognizant of that season of change and yep. say, okay, this is the time to train, this is the time to educate customers, then this is the time for them to be executing, you know, asking for help, getting help. And then this is the time to measure, how did we do? Are we better this year than right. we were last year? And, you know, we try to encourage people to say, hey, you measure everything else, you should start measuring your customer success. Um, so I do think understanding kind of the life cycle of mm -hmm. your customer and when an appropriate time to engage is, Never miss, though, the opportunity at every face-to-face -face interaction you have with a customer is to look them in the eye and say, Michael, mm -hmm. here is how you get great customer support from our service. Sure. Because if I don't tell you that, you're going to revert to your old ways, which yep. is probably calling and texting me, you know, on Valentine's Day or whatever, <laughs> the saying that right. you need help. Yeah. So right. if I'm a customer... Mm -hmm and you just came out and you know delivered a new piece of equipment or dropped off some seed or something like that, and you say, hey, by the way, I wanna just reiterate, I know I've told you this a few times before, but I wanna make sure you know how to get the best customer experience from our organization. You know, you can call or text this number or whatever that might be. Whatever the simple things are, mm -hmm. reiterate that, because in the back of their mind, the customer's saying, wow, Michael wants me to have the best experience with his organization. He's intentionally bringing that up. Even if you never, even if I never have a problem, yeah. I'm thinking, wow, I like dealing with an organization who wants me to know yep. how to engage with them. And again, oftentimes we are a piece of a bigger puzzle. You know, when we talk to and encourage people to think about, you know, service plan strategy and, you know, there's multiple components of that. Yeah. And, and hopefully we can help with some of those. Yep. But, you know, sharing with the customer, hey, here's the, here's what doing business with us yep. is going to be like. You know, we're going to do some educational clinics in the wintertime. We're going to do some preseason spring setups. 
we're going to help you execute your plan. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to come back and help you evaluate how did it work? What are we changing next year? And sort of understanding that life cycle of the customer to me gives me peace of mind, right? I'm dealing with an organization that has a plan that is not just sort of falling into this by accident or I'm not just, you know, having a, a kind of one and done transaction based upon price only. Right. Right. And I think sometimes, especially in agriculture, we fall into that. And then we wonder why we had the customer one year and we don't have them the next. Sure. It's all those other things that we do in kind of the life cycle of the relationship that matter. Mm -hmm. And so don't assume that your customer knows exactly how to engage with you. Be really overt about sharing, hey, here's what good looks like to us. Yep. And I think that you'll find that that customer, number one, you'll separate yourself from the competition immediately because most people don't do this. Mm -hmm. But you'll also find that when that customer really needs you, their experience is going to be way better than than if if we didn't educate them. So I'm going to give a quick plug to Casey to back him up here. I, I overheard him talking to a customer one time and speaking and saying, here's what we do. Also, here's what we don't do. And I know that that can seem like a risky thing to say to a client because you always want to say what you do. But I think that that client at the time, potential client, now client said, hey, all right, now I know. So I know where we can focus and maybe where we still need to go. I think that that transparency, that that honesty uh, build a bridge rather because the last thing you want to do is have them expect the world and then have a critical component fall. Then, you, then, then you're in that next year where you're, they're no longer clients. Yeah. So um, just to wrap up, Casey, I want to ask you um, two things. It's, it's, it's one and the same, but let's start with the broader, then we'll, we'll, we'll narrow it down to AgriSync a little bit because, um, uh, well, hey, you founded the company. I think you should at least get a chance to plug it a little. <laughs> uh, but what's next? What's next for ag technology? I know it's a very broad question, but I mean, let's not do it on the world scale. Let's kind of look locally to us here in the U.S., you know, that's this we're based out of. So what's kind of next? Where are you seeing on the horizon? Is it is it tweaks to a lot of the little things that we have? Is it big jumps? Is it things we haven't even thought of yet? And then after that, kind of tell us where you think AgriShop is going to go to. Well, I think one of the things that I'm excited about is our ability to kind of micromanage a plant or a machine sensor or doing things that we used to probably do, you know, at a broad scale. And then we got into kind of uh, zones and now we're getting into what I would call very specific yeah. plant level or in That's the context cool. of a right. machine. So being able to sort of micromanage sure. at scale. And, and I, I borrow that term from some folks that I've heard speak about that recently, <laughs> specifically in the ag equipment space saying, Hey, we want to be able to do that yeah. at scale. Obviously for us, we'd like to be able to allow you to manage your customer interactions, whether that be one or a thousand that day right. at scale. And to be able to do that with a, you know, what we know will probably be a ongoing limited team of people, sure. meaning, um, as I mentioned before, we have this long-term, you know, uh, expert advisor technician shortage that's not going to go away overnight. Yeah. So over the next few years, what are we doing to take the talented skills we do have and allow them to scale in a better way? Mm-hmm. And I think for us, the ability for us to be able to enable you to, again, manage those individual conversations with a customer in a scalable, trackable way. Sure. And also to say, what are some of the ways that we can innovate on service? 
you know, I remember when I started AgriSync from my basement, we had our first couple of customers, you know, we had limited feedback on how we could sort of make this better. Yeah. Now we're fortunate to have, you know, adoption in a broad way. Mm -hmm. And every day those customers actually get to vote up kind of the features, the services that they right. see are most important. Yep. And so for us, you know, we see that customer service is going to continue to evolve largely because as general consumers, mm -hmm. The bar is being raised. Yeah. Think about the major brands you engage with every day. True. Uh, you know, your grocery store, your gas station, your Amazon, your Walmart, whatever it might be. And think about the ways that they are using digital technologies to up their game. Mm -hmm. You know, take your car in for an oil change. Do do something like that, and you'll see, wow, this is changing. Yeah. The way you engage with your kid's school, the way you do about anything. Right. People are using digital mm -hmm. to raise the bar of expectations. Yep. And I always ask people, well, what are we doing in ag to do the same thing? Yeah. In fact, you know, we kind of feel like that's where we can help. Absolutely. Is to say, what are we doing to learn from the broader industry trends to say, okay, how can we help everybody in ag raise their game? Yep. on the customer experience because that farmer customer of yours, when he's not your customer, he's engaging with these other brands. Yeah. He's engaging with those other groups. Like, wow, that was cool. Mm -hmm. I wish I had that from my local retailer or sure. service provider. And so I think the challenge for us is to, to say, what are we doing to modernize that experience and to kind of raise the game? And, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, artificial intelligence, and I don't want to get into buzzwords, but, you know, AI in the context of customer service could help us provide first line sort of immediate response to customers in a better way. Yep. Just you knowing, Michael, that I've got your issue and mm -hmm. I'm going to do something about it. Right. Gives me peace of mind, yep. right, as a customer. And I think we look at our ability to Number one, make that first initial, I, I need help, mm -hmm. and you knowing that somebody's going to help you, yep. there's a ton of opportunity for us to continue to make that better. Yep. And then how are we using that conversation in a way that we, over time, learn and listen and get better and sort of raise the bar? Yep. You know, we're fortunate in the agriculture space that, as we talked about at the beginning, mm -hmm. a lot of the customer service relationships happen with people that we know. Yeah. You know, in the early days of AgriSync, people say, well, what are we doing? I said, well, I'm taking those five people that you've got on your flip phone yep. that you've got on speed dial and we're moving those into a digital mobile app type environment. Mm -hmm. Those five people are the same people that I, you know, co-chair the 4-H club with. I see church on Sunday. I watch the Friday night football game with. Right. I've got a lot invested in Absolutely. those in my, you know, faves on my speed dial. <laughs> and I think one of the opportunities we have to do is to say, how do we take that known kind of network of trusted advisors and allow them to provide the best experience possible, even better sometimes than what we maybe get from other consumer experiences. Sure. And uh, I know from our standpoint, we're passionate about that mission. We think about it every day. And we've also been very blessed and fortunate to have customers who say, hey, AgriSync, I know this is your wheelhouse. Yeah. Here's how I think you can make it better. Right. And as I tell my, you know, my wife and others who are around me all the time, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm a good listener. Sure. And part of what's allowed us to, 
you know, evolve is to be good listeners to customers who, again, genuinely care. Uh, and if people are using our service even just a little bit, it's a sign that they care, right? Yeah, they do. They want change. They yeah. want to do, they've identified that, hey, the way we're doing it is not a long-term path. Yeah. And we're going to hop on and try something different yep. because customer service is, you know, something that's going to be more than what we just talk about. Yep. It's going to be something that we execute on and measure. Absolutely. Well, Casey, this is this has been fantastic. Um, I'm fortunate because I get to be around you all day, and not everyone has a chance to listen to some of these things. But these are the, the um, as as an employee of Agrisync, I, I can speak to the audience firsthand and say these are the things that we do indeed talk about. Right? These are this is the mission that we do have out there. And um, what's fun is the to listen to as our clients come in and talk. We get to see the other things that they get to do too, and that's come. We're a component in that larger ecosphere that you mentioned earlier, right? And that's that's kind of fun. So um, also, I just want to say thanks again to Casey for coming in. I appreciate it. Um, although it was the shortest walk for you down the hall, it wasn't too bad at all. <laughs> but um, this is this is exciting stuff. I know that um, we, we actually hit on quite a few things here, um, but we've actually spoke about in the past. You just spoke about listening to your customers. We In another podcast, we talked to Heidi Manitor about listening to your customers, capturing that uh, feedback. So another shameless plug here real quick. If you haven't had a chance to listen to some of those former podcasts, do so because they are focused all around that customer experience and customer strategy. So, so Casey, thanks for your time for coming in. And uh, thanks to the listening audience. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this. Have a great day. I'd like to conclude today's podcast by again thanking our guest, Casey Neiman, president and founder of AgriSync, for his time and insights. As a follow-up, you can download our checklist on how to effectively adopt and incorporate technology into your dealership and listen to our other podcasts by visiting agrisync.com slash customer service. That's agrisync.com slash customer service. Finally, we want to thank our friends at Precision Farming Dealer, who are our partner in crime in presenting this limited series podcast. Precision Farming Dealer is the authoritative source for information on selling, servicing, and supporting precision farming technology and the trends shaping the future of the industry. Stay up to date with the latest and most important precision news and information by signing up for your free Precision Farming Dealer online account at www.precisionfarmingdealer.com slash register.